Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Gabe DeSanto. I'm back here with another great interview. We're glad to have you join us today, this great afternoon. We're glad to have a great CPC candidate nominee from London West joining us today, a fellow young conservative, Mr. Matthias Vanderley. Matthias is a young conservative from London, Ontario, who is politically active and has been since the age of 14. He is a bright young man who has worked with many pol politicians and served on many conservative EDAs. He is very involved in his community and has connected with many members of different social groups in London West. London West, he wants to be your MP. Welcome, Matthias, to the show. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. We're glad to have you on the show because as many of you probably know from my intro and you may have seen Matthias, he's starting to become more, more active on Twitter and you're gonna start seeing him more, I'm sure, as his campaign starts to ramp up. He is a young conservative, like I said, he worked in the family business and now he wants to be your MP. So we usually start the interview out by a short question and answer section. We usually, um, our question and answer session, all the questions are asked by our members of our team across Ontario and across Canada. And we are glad to bring forward these questions to you. So if you don't mind, we're gonna start the, the question and answer session. So the first question is from the OHSCA team. And their question is, how can more people restore faith in the CPC and find room in our conservative family? What do you think? we can do to bring more people in? Yeah, so the main way that we're trying to bring more people in now is trying to reach out to different groups. So as Aaron O'Toole noted in his first speech uh, when Parliament resumed, was he wants more people to see conservative when they look in the mirror. And that means emphasizing reaching out to young people, reaching out to people of color, reaching out to people of different uh, gender identities, different uh, religious groups. That means reaching out to those people who've never viewed themselves as conservative before. And that's important for us as young conservatives because many of our people our age group don't view themselves as conservative. They view themselves as NDP, as liberal. And so showing them that we offer you less taxes, less government, more freedom, very simple, palatable topics that everyone our age group will loves, people instantly become conservative. And so when you sell it like that, you are really able to reach out to a lot more people. And so I believe specifically for our age group is showing them that they aren't a liberal, that they aren't an NDP. At heart, they're truly a conservative. That's a perfect answer because I feel as I see students in my classrooms, in my school, and I open my Instagram and I see their political opinions, they're completely entitled to it. But I feel that a lot of people in our generation get quickly swayed to that left because you have Jagmeet Singh saying, oh, we'll give you this, that, and the other thing. And he is very persuasive. He has his TikToks. He has his his uh, his Among Us Twitch streams with certain American politicians. He He's able to reach out to them. And I think that as conservatives, we can show a lot of young people that they can be conservative, that they can come to our party and join us. And I mean, it's 
they can see a lot of values in our party, I think. And I'm sure as you've seen, we there's a lot of people that call themselves liberals or NDPs, but at heart and their values are really conservative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's especially true for a lot of uh, immigrant groups that will vote liberal NDP, but at their heart, they're traditionally a social conservative. And that, and although our party is very diverse, social conservatism is a important part of that. And remind people of those immigrant populations that, hey, we're the actual party for those values is is something we should also be doing because by limiting ourselves just to those classic social conservative ideals that we see in, uh, say, in the Midwest of Canada, isn't really fair to those who also hold those same ideals but come from different countries. And so making it more diverse, more open for all of those opinions, all for all of those ideals and bring them forward at conventions is something that I really like about our party, that's for sure. Yeah, we have great opportunities to bring forward the policies and the virtual convention is coming soon. I mean, it's a little expensive, but you can join if you'd like to form those policies. And our party is made up of so many people. We have the social conservatives, the fiscal conservatives. There's so many different types of conservatives. And we need to remember that we're all we're all conservatives together and we can all bring forward our own our own views and ideas and they will be taken into account at the policy conventions or something like that and we can build the party the party is not just our mps they are our representatives it's all of us and it's a great thing to remember so our second question is from wesley in mississauga and what do you think we kind of talked about this but what do you think of the growing amount of left-wing bias that is given towards today's young people in our school systems or in the media or all that. What do you think about that bias that we see? Yeah, the the bias that favors left-wing younger people, so Generation Z in media and in the school system is very, very apparent because it it has been substantially easier for me to run for MP than it would have been for me to run to be a, say, part of a student government just because I associate myself with the Conservative Party and that would immediately shut me down. Uh, But in this circumstance where I'm running to be an MP, it's opened up doors. And I think the main issue is it's almost, it is completely favoritism. It is very favoristic in that point. They aren't taking time to really look at the differences and why they matter. They're just simply saying, oh, you're conservative and they're writing you off. And that's an issue. But of course, it's an issue with a solution. And that is talking to people. And this doesn't mean to be very argumentative with them. It doesn't mean trying to yell in their face and say, you're wrong, conservatism is right. It means explaining it very simply and uh, aptly in the way that they could understand it. And that's why I'm going to go back to this point again, is saying uh, less taxes, less government, more freedom. Those three points really appeal to young people. And so as soon as you can get past the scary word of conservative and go to those three points, it's a lot more powerful for people our age. Does that mean I think they'll become a lot more accepting of conservatism in a short time frame? No, but if you can reach out to them on social media and in person, but importantly over social media, especially during our uh, current pandemic situation, you could very easily see thousands, maybe tens of thousands of youth from across the country begin to see themselves in a more conservative mindset, definitely at least fiscally conservative, that's for sure. Well, definitely. I mean, as 
as young people, social media is probably one of our great, especially during a pandemic, is one of our greatest resources that pretty much almost every young person is on social media in one way or another. And that's where they learn their opinions and learn their their everything that they see about our world today. I mean, and I think that if we reach out to them, we can bring them to our party and show them and defeat that bias, right? That's what we at OHSCA are trying to do. We're trying to reach out to the young conservatives, the high school conservatives. And there's also many other youth groups that are springing up. As you know, there's different youth groups that we've worked with, the YCCA, they are a great organization too. We work closely together at some times. And we are glad that like, we have so many new opportunities for young people joining uh, coming up for young conservatives and i think that if we show people that they can be a conservative and that it's easy to be a conservative and like you said the past the scary word of conservative because they have these possible preconceived notions which we'll talk about more from the schools and all that and i think that people can see themselves and join our party and defeat that bias mm -hmm. So the next question is from Mackenzie, and they ask, how do you think bias in our school system can be prevented and eliminated? Well, that is very difficult to do. And that's because bias inherently comes down to prejudice, which is more or less a subculture for what in a larger culture. And the bottom line is for every politician in history, for every large governing body, you don't mold culture, you work inside of it. Now, of course, there are exceptions such as uh, Julius Caesar, who would go outside that cultural norm. But at the end of the day, he was still bound by many of the cultural uh, prejudices of the time. Despite, and I'll bring up one example, he famously had a female general that didn't fly too well, but because he was able to just kind of put it on the back burner, what was a very sexist Roman period, didn't really care about it and focused on the other things. But if he were to emphasize it, he still would have gotten to hot water. So translate that over to today. Unless you can really change the culture, you're not going to really see a huge amount of progress. Now, that being said, if I were the Minister of Education and I was looking at the elementary and high school, I would emphasize policies that would ensure that people could speak their mind freely in the classroom. And in my experience, that is pretty much always respected. And I haven't really found too, issue, too many issues with the teachers themselves. It's the fellow students. Yeah. But they are, of course, also protected by that policy of speaking their, uh, their mind. The issue is, of course, that is their belief. And unless you can change their belief, you're not going to really get that uh, benefit of being in the, the main group, the overarching liberal uh, anti-conservative group that really dominates most elementary and high school settings. So to say I have a solution would be a lie. I do not, but I do know the solution would be simply talking with them and trying to make a small change in your school, trying to show them why conservatism matters. And I know it's possible because I had one friend in high school who ran to be president of our school. Uh, he won swiftly and emphasized fiscal conservatism and, and at, a, at a really high level because some of these tables at our school were costing about $5,000 a pop. He was saying no to that and was pretty much reading them the riot act. So it can be done. And very soon a lot of people are themselves as conservative. And that worked out for well for me because uh, 
we didn't know at the time, but of course now I'm running for MP. And now eight of those people who went to high, went to high school with, who formerly viewed themselves as NDP and liberal are helping me when it, during the uh, fall when we could hand out flyers and uh, phone call people for the nomination. So it is possible. Will you sweep the entire school? Unlikely, but will you make a difference? Yes, you can make a difference and slowly but surely you can change the cultural discussion, especially in your own school. That's a really good thing to remember because in our schools, obviously we'll never be able to change the minds of everybody, but it's good to remember that if we speak freely, we respect each other's opinions, we have a, we just have a good, well-natured conversation about things, I think a lot can be done. And we may not be able to prevent all bias in the school system because there's always going to be people that that lean more to whatever side and emphasize those values at all times. But what we can do is just talk about it. And I think what you said was a perfect example of talking about it and sharing your ideas with other students and all that and speaking with them and just starting a conversation really. Another question that is a big one that I think we can talk about for a bit because it would be it's a great conversation starter and we can probably talk for days about this but it's um, from the team as well and they ask what type of Canada would you like to see in the next 10 years? Okay, yeah, there's a lot we can talk about. That does that include culture? Can that include? It culture? can include what type of Canada would you like to see in the ten years? Like it can include culture, it can include government, and include anything about Canada, about a great country. How would you like to see it in the next ten years? Yeah. Okay. So, if I could change the entire country, I would make it a lot more of a pragmatic in the sense of like Edmund Burke and to give context he's the guy who came up with the idea of the sublime and also the idea of gradualism and that idea essentially means you don't make radical changes you make slow methodical changes after they're thought through to make sure there aren't any drastic results that is something that Stephen Harper emphasized a lot so he is a Edmund Burke kind of individual that's the kind of thing kind of can I want to say see because that emphasizes slow change safe change and ensuring that it works and not just simply doing it because it's popular. And that would hopefully prevent people like Justin Trudeau making it through because of their name and because they have a great smile. You pair nice socks type of thing. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully would see a lot more people like uh, Pierre, Pierre Polyev or Aaron O'Toole making it in as well or even some of the smarter people from the Liberal caucus is, if it had to happen, I would choose people like Peter Fragascados who are very competent, very capable, but they're liberal, but at least they know what they're doing. Yeah, unlike most of this government right now. <laughs> It'd be a substantial improvement. Yes. So seeing people who uh, follow that gradual approach, I don't wanna call it pragmatic because that word is sometimes just thrown around as being, uh, as one size fits all, but really seeing a culture that emphasizes a slow methodical method of progress and not just this uh, rushed back and forth, thrashing between liberal and conservative governments. That would see a lot more progress over time. You'd see a lot more of this uh, political nuclearization between the liberals and conservatives uh, 
getting to boil down and make it easier just to talk to people again and to share our ideas with one another. And it will make it a lot more peaceful of a situation. So it would allow for so many things to improve and go forward. That would be the culture itself. Now, of course, is that going to happen? No. But what can happen if I could make a, a change in Canada, that would be to take a lot more of a, I want to say, open market stance to make Canada more marketable for the world. Now, this one is doable. And so for me, the perfect thing would be to remove interprovincial trade agreements, get rid of that immediately. Because for some reason, it's in some instances cheaper to get softwood timber from the States than from our own country and another province. Now, of course, that's important and important for something like the housing crisis because softwood timber is, of course, used for building houses. Exactly. And there's some sort of a shortage right now, possibly, because yeah. a lot of people are building houses. <laughs> yeah, it's it, 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 there, there is a law of demand for that. And addressing the housing crisis would be an immediate thing for me as well. And so, of course, changing back, going back to that 10-year plan, uh, emphasizing the skilled trades. So a lot of people from the baby boomer generation, of course, filled that role. But as they're retiring and moving out from those roles, there's not enough people to replace them. And as such, again, the people who are, who are in charge of plumbing, electricity, uh, carpentry, people who are key to that housing industry are not there anymore. And there aren't enough people replacing them. And so, of course, their price goes up and, of course, the housing cost goes up. And taking methods like this to help decrease the cost of housing is an immediate step. Now, of course, I will solve all of it. No, because some of it is caused by uh, policies and uh, if you want to call it business politics. But if you can help decrease the cost of labor, which is immensely costly, by the way, it's one of the biggest costs you'll ever have building a house, it can go a long way. And so that's one change I would want to see. And if I could see a final change within that 10 years, somehow addressing the deficit. I'm not too sure how that's going to be done, though. I will be honest, that is a massive deficit. And it is, it may take us 100, 200 years to pay that down, uh, like to a substantial amount. We're not going to get rid of the, all of that within a decent time frame. That is going to take hundreds of years. It took the city of Montreal 100 years to pay off a debacle of a Ferris wheel from 100 years ago. So, uh, it, it takes a while to do these things. And yeah, I think it's actually an entire amusement park. I can't remember. <laughs> very mundane that happened during the Roaring Twenties where some guy went massive debt for the city to buy this. But the point stands. It's, it, it can take a long time to pay off some of these massive expenditures. And something as large as a trillion dollars is... A lot. Yeah. It, there is a, more than we could imagine. It, it could very easily outlast any form of our country that we know today. For all we know, Canada could be a, a Republic of the North by the time that debt is finally annulled or uh, paid off. So addressing the debt would be the third thing I want to see in that 10-year period. But going about that is I do have some ideas and I have spoken about ideas and how to do it. And sure, they're good ideas. Uh, I won't bore you with the ideas because they aren't actually that exciting. They're just basic uh, fiscal policy, but... We can read more about them when you give us a link and we can read yeah. more about them on whenever you'd like to speak about them. Yeah, it's, it's essentially following a uh, the dropping the taxes to the floor approach for many industries that provide jobs and that way they can 
afford hiring on more employees and offering incentives such as tax breaks or tax credits. I don't like tax credits that much, but I prefer tax breaks for those who hire on a certain amount of people. That would be the main way I would go about it. But of course, sure, that will help, but that won't solve it. So we've really been boxed into the corner with this. And hopefully, this I will go on this point because this may be interesting. The main issue with the debt right now is 80% of it is not long-term debt. That means the interest rate assigned to it can change pretty quickly whenever it comes for up for renegotiation. The issue with that is, and we see previously in the previous decades, that debt can be renegotiated for extortionately high interest rates, sometimes as high as credit card interest rate. When you're running a country on a credit card, <laughs> I, I don't even think I need to explain that situation. You don't need to. I think we all know what's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> so that would be the worry there. And so the Big biggest, worry. yeah, the biggest threat there is ensuring that we can negotiate a good sound contract uh, when it comes to paying off this debt, because otherwise we're in trouble. And the main issue with that is I don't think Trudeau, well, he, I know he doesn't, has the guts to negotiate a fair deal in those sort of renegotiations. So that's a big problem. And fixing that in the 10 years or fixing that in the next year, because some of it is up for a renegotiation within a mere matter of months, would be a, a one priority. It would be the first priority, to be honest. So that would be a big thing I would want to address. Yes. And I think this Canada that we see today, a lot of it will continue to be in 10 years, but I think we also need to take a new approach when it comes to government or uh, paying off the deficit, as you said, even though it may not be done in the next 10 years, it'll be something that we may be able to take a hit at and start to lower for a bit in the next 10 years. Obviously, it will not be done. We won't be able to pay down a trillion dollars in 10 years, but I think we can start to get at it. And I think that the conservative approach of Aaron O'Toole and the great conservative team yourself and so many great MPs and candidates, I think that as we elect more great candidates like yourself and all the and all the great MPs, we can start to take a go at it and start to lower that deficit. Yes. So before we wrap up, we always like to have a casual little friendly chat, not that the part before wasn't, but just uh, more like a, a speaking of young conservatives and how we can get more involved in some advice. So you yourself are very young, obviously you were in high school not too long ago and you're in our position or young high school, new member of the party type position. So what do you think high, young high school conservatives should do to get in order to get more politically active and what's a good piece of advice you'd give them to get more active and yeah so the thing I did was I'd been involved for a couple of years but I wasn't even a full-fledged member until two years ago and as such my main involvement was through volunteer work which is good but won't be sufficient if you want to try to do something like this uh, straight out of high school and so the big thing that I did was I would just found a list of local MPs who were running in the election and got involved early. So the election was in October. I got involved in March. No one is canvassing with the MP in the middle of March because no one's even thinking about that. 
So if you reach out really early, you are in a fantastic position to really uh, get in the know of how to run things because they haven't established a team yet. And so if you're one of the first people who shows up and says, yeah, I'll be willing to do this for about eight months, then you are going to be put into a position where you can have some authority and uh, show your worth. And so for me, that meant uh, doing some volunteer coordination in North Center, the riding to the east of me in London West. And I uh, was able to understand how to organize a team, how to organize a campaign. And in Lambton Kent Middlesex, where the Shadow Minister for Agriculture is, I just canvassed a lot of doors. I just would go canvassing with her and talk with her and hear her ideas, hear her suggestions. And MPs will like to see young people involved. They, they want to see young people involved. And so if you're willing to show up, they will, they will appreciate that a lot. And as I, I have a feeling that you pretty much understand as well, MPs love to see fellow young people come forward. Yes, they like to see the new generation start to get involved, see the young people show that they want to get involved and start to take action in their government that they will, will be able to be a part of soon. Yeah. They really like that, I feel. And I think that what you're saying, getting involved is the best thing, even if it is just calling them up and joining an email list for their next election. I mean, we could be very well seeing an election very soon, couple months, maybe possibly with the minority government and the pandemic and all that, we could start to see an election soon and get involved, I think is probably the best thing, right? Like what, what you were saying. Yeah. It is, it is the best initial step. There are two other things that I did. And the second thing was I would uh, email local conservative MPs or even just prominent MPs in the country and ask if they could give me advice. And some take a while to respond through email. So maybe you want to phone call them to their office. But if, you don't, if you're a little shy about phone calling them outright, then definitely do email. That was, that was me. I was too shy to call them. So I just emailed them. And they'll respond. So I asked Pierre his suggestions and he gave me an entire list of reading to do. So <laughs> Sounds like Pierre. <laughs> it is. Sounds like it something is. he would do. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice guy, but he, he, he signed me a library for the summer, which is <laughs> fun. And that's the one thing I did, joining the youth councils for these conservative MPs and trying to be involved in any way you can is a great way there as well. But I think the most useful i would say is aside from that because if you do prove yourself to be useful they will openly endorse you when you decide to run uh, as in my situation i've had a couple mps and mpps endorse me just because they've known me through volunteering and such but the the best uh way was signing up for internship or volunteering at the constituency office doing the actual governance part because elections is only uh, something that happens once every four years, generally speaking, and it's a very slim. Only a small part of it. Mm -hmm. And so if you can understand the actual governing part and the actual working constituency office, you just became an invaluable asset because the number of people who understand that, let alone who are willing to do that for free, which, which is what I was doing. I was volunteering in the constituency office. That is pretty much non-existent. That does not exist anywhere else, anywhere. So if you are that one individual who is volunteering just once a week in the office for free, 
and sure you're getting volunteer hours, but you still you're volunteering for free. You are you are instantly become something else in value. And if you and if you sign up to be the internship, and you talk to every person who speaks at the event, or even if it's on Zoom afterwards, you are in a great position because usually it's staffers. But reaching out to those staffers is very important and they can get you jobs. They can get you involved. They can get you speaking to the premier of Ontario. That's a true story, by the way. <laughs> so it's, it's those kind of things that are really important. So I would also emphasize talking to those prominent MPs, MPPs, staffers, because they're the ones who really do all the work. And they're also the ones whose phones are not really full of messages. And as such, they respond pretty much instantly. So sometimes they take a couple hours, but it's usually within the same day. So that's that's really nice. Whereas MPs <laughs> may take a couple of days, a couple of weeks. Roll, They're roll very busy does. people. Yes. Traveling to Ottawa, traveling to Toronto, traveling to whatever. Yeah. Well, we really want to thank you for joining us today for your time today. We'd love to speak more. Maybe one day we can speak again, talk again. Maybe if you're an MP, we can talk later one time. We understand you will be a very busy MP like you're speaking about, but we hope one day we can talk with you. It's really good to have a young conservative voice running and wanting to get involved in the center of our politics. And we really thank you. We wish you on your future endeavors where they may take you. And we really thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you and you're most welcome. Thank you. So that is it. We hope you enjoyed today's interview. You can look for more interviews and videos coming soon. Make sure to follow our Twitter and Instagram accounts at OntarioHSCons and make sure to look at our website, OntarioHSConservatives.org, so you can see more about what we're doing in all our projects. Make sure to like our video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and click the notification bell so you never miss a video. We wish you well. We hope to see you soon and we thank you for joining us today. Mm -hmm.